Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Mike Force Podcast. I might sound a little uh, raspy, a little throaty, um, but I'm drinking my Black Rifle coffee right now. Hold on one second. I literally just woke up from a nap, not going to lie, because I need a power nap in between traveling all over the U.S. for work and then getting back to it, uh, which I'll do right after this podcast. We have the mobility experience, which if you've never done that, you need to do it. We do it a couple times a year and plan to do it in South Africa, which is going to be epic. I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. But yeah, I'm, I'm grinding, guys. What else do you have to do in your life besides that? Um, I mean, coffee, take your breaks, take your naps, um, work out, take care of yourself, but grind. So let's talk about some of our sponsors before we get to the meat and potatoes. I call it our appetizers. Is that weird? Um, I'm going with it. Um, look, our first, our first sponsor is uh, BetterHelp. BetterHelp is one of the most significant ads that we run in all of our podcasts and also the most testimonials that we get back in improving people's lives. If there's something interfering with your happiness, likely it's because you're not communicating all of the things that are cluttering your head and getting it out there. You could start communicating right now in under 48 hours with BetterHelp. It's not a crisis line. A lot of people think that. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available. Because who, if you're growing up in a small town, if you live in a small town, who wants to depend on that? The service is available for clients worldwide. You'd log in uh, anytime, send a message to your therapist, and then you get timely and thoughtful responses. I love that. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches to make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials. That will help you. It's betterhelp.com forward slash reviews. And look, guys, right now, if you go into betterhelp.com forward slash Mikeforce, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash Mikeforce, you could join over the million people who are taking charge of their mental health. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Right now, use Mike Force to get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash Mike Force. Also, pretty excited about this one. Our next sponsor is Mountain Tough. You guys have been asking me, hey man, you look like you're getting in shape and blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm not eating garbage. Um, that's one part of it. And I'm getting good sleep because of Wolf 21. I'll talk about that in a second. I'm just cleaning stuff up, man. Uh, what's cool about Mountain Tough, that's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H, is I feel a lot younger because there's no excuses. My programs, my fitness programs are tethered to my phone. My favorite part about Mountain Tough is their focus on mental toughness, though. A lot of people don't focus on that. And I teach that. Take it from a former U.S. Navy SEAL and Ranger Lieutenant Colonel who started Mountain Tough and increase your mental toughness, build muscle, prove endurance, do all the things that you typically would do in a traditional gym on your phone. 10,000 like-minded athletes will hold you accountable, and they have thousands of hours of testing with dedicated hunters, first responders, and military personnel. Beginner, intermediate, and uh, elite, the right nudge from the right person at the right time could change your destiny. And guys, regardless of your age or circumstance, I'm nudging you to start today as I know Mountain Tough programs and the Mountain Tough community 
will enable you to become the best version of yourself. And I want that for you. Mountain Tough on this podcast for a limited time is offering Mike Force listeners 20% off all their online training programs. That's also on apparel um, using Mike Force. Again, that's 20% off site-wide with Mike Force at mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N, Mike Tango November Tough.com. Also, if you didn't know it already, I have a company uh, outside of Philcraft Survival called The Wolf 21. Uh, it's named after the Yellowstone Wolf, which is my favorite wolf. Uh, cool story behind that. But the wolf21.com is where you can get my CBD, CBN products for helping you with pain, sleep, most significantly, which is why I started the company. And if you go on the wolf21.com right now, you guys can use the coupon code MikeForce15, MikeForce15, to save 15% of your next order. I'm not going to sell it because I want you to try it. Just try it. Try the CBD, CBN, and see how it improves your sleep. What I noticed about it is when I first did it, um, I use CBD uh, traditionally because, um, I may say tr- traditionally, but routinely because um, I don't like synthetic pharmaceutical drugs. The veteran affairs try to give me a whole bunch of crap for sleep and for pain, and I'm not into um, destroying myself. So I try to find alternate means, and it's an alternate. It's not the subpar alternate. It should be the primary. So I've been trying CBD. It's been working successfully for me for chronic pain that I deal with. And then that tied with CBN, which is another cannabinoid um, part of your system. Out of the many cannabinoids that you can activate these systems that lie in you. Man, I, I, I didn't get up to pee. I slept through the night and it was amazing. Thewolf21.com. Mike Force One Five, say fifteen percent. Try it out. Man, I'm exhausted, guys. Let me let me hit this coffee real quick. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. So I just woke up from a nap, straight up, one hundred percent. Just happened. Um, I tried to sleep for 30 minutes. I slept for 90 minutes. I'm assuming that's a good sign because um, I'm sleeping. I'm all about this grind. I went to Montana with the the great people at X Overland. Clay and his wife and his family, uh, his team, were there, and we got to do content together. Um, if you're not familiar with Expedition Overland or X Overland, you should be. Um, X Overland. Uh, I I would consider them OGs of the overland space. But what's really cool about them is they inspire and educate you guys um, through their content, through their documentaries. I mean, this stuff is like award-winning material um, that looks like a professional studio developed. Uh, I mean, looking at their stuff is is incredible, but it inspired me at some point to go out and get involved in this community, in this industry called overlanding. Now, a lot of people who don't know what overlanding is, uh, it's simply traveling with a destination in mind. Um, Living, sustaining yourself out of your rig, your vehicle. And, you know, we have the mobility element in that where we teach preparedness through mobility. So if you're outfitting your rig for travel, if you're outfitting your rig um, for camping, for austere environments, you're likely preparing yourself 
for overlanding as well, which I love, and which means you're better prepared as well. So they're just two segments, preparedness and overlanding, that go very good together. Um, we, we are at Overland Expo's booth every single year. Uh, we're, we're there th- this last year. Great uh, expo that's done in uh, Flagstaff, Arizona for the west, and then I believe Asheville for the east, and they even have a mountain one in Colorado. Um, if you're interested, please go to this expo. It's not a trade show. It's for, it's for you, the end user, to come out, see the gear, see the equipment, and meet the people. KC Highlights, um, uh, Cry Precision was out there. Uh, obviously, Philcraft, uh, X-Overland, um, my friends at Overland Journal and Expedition Portal. Like, just amazing people. It's such a positive, positive thing. So, head over there. And um, uh, make sure you, you sign up for it because it's an opportunity for you to grow in this industry. Um, and I say industry, but grow in this field and start looking at best ways to outfit your stuff. Clay's content, uh, which I subscribe to, you can go on X Overland on their Instagram. It's uh, special.tv and then just scroll down to the overlanding section and you'll be able to uh, subscribe to all their channels. You can get them on YouTube too. That's how I started. But I like to support them. I mean, I, I want to support them, but I also want to get the best content. And that's going to be available on an app soon. Um, it's available on the browser now, which I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind doing a little couple extra steps to watch their content. So um, we go there, we do content, and we're, we're filming these pro tips. Um, Black Rifle Coffee Company and Phil Craft Survival have teamed. We've partnered together to do pro tips focused on all things preparedness. These are around 10 minute videos that are things that will give you tangible takeaways focused on making you better prepared. How to apply a tourniquet, uh, EDC considerations, um, how to train, how to overland, um, tire considerations, all of these different things. We've already done uh, Epic uh, Family Road Trip, which is another group of uh, amazing people I encourage you to check out. We also did X Overland. Uh, Mike Hernandez, who runs Philcraft Mobility. You could also check him out on Instagram, and we do a lot of content with him, pro tips-wise. So, you know, th- that will be uh, cycled through Black Rifle Coffee's kind of segment, their, their, their market, but it, it, it's going to be epic, man. I'm excited about it. Um, so we got back. And, and what's really cool is, um, I mean, it wasn't cool for the team. They were smoked. But I wanted to take the Porsche rally car to Montana. Uh, just, I don't know, selfishly. Uh, I wanted to have the real-wheel drive Porsche rally, uh, my Targa. I wanted to have it ready so we could drive it up to Montana and do some content and then uh, bring it back. I didn't realize that we were going to hit a snowstorm on the way back, which we did, driving through Yellowstone. But it was epic. It was also dangerous. And I almost died like 10 times with Austin in, in the car with me. Um, but it was epic. Th- those kind of things happen in life, and you just got to work through them. I mean, we sat on the side of the road at one point going, man, I mean, do we bed down right here? Do I have stuff to make a fire? And of course, we get all this stuff. But I'm, I'm, I'm thinking through these situations because we had to go two and a half hours through 
West Yellowstone, down through Big Sky, the back roads all the way to Highway 15 um, that, that runs into Idaho Falls. And um, it, it was sketchy. I mean, the ice on the road was insane. Montana doesn't maintain the roads for some reason because when we hit the Idaho line, it immediately turned into better roads that had been treated with salt or with dirt. It was something other than the sheet of ice that we've been dr- driving on for about two hours. Um, when, when we were, oh, let me tell you about the Porsche because a lot of people have asked me about this. Man, so why? Like, why would you do this? Why, why would you put your name in the hat and say, I'm committing to being the, rest, the best rally race car driver on the planet, which isn't a goal of mine. Uh, and I just said it. Just now, I said that out loud. And so now I'm going to do it. The reason why is because, I mean, there's multiple reasons. Let me start with number one. I enjoy it. Uh, I've been to probably a dozen race car rally type schools in my special operations and contracting career. And I enjoy it. Look, I grew up in motorsports. I, I grew up drag racing, street racing. Um, I, I grew up tinkering on cars, buying and selling cars. I used to buy 87 to 91 RX-7 cars. Uh, I'd buy them on eBay or buy them from somebody used online. And then i strip them down and sell the parts. I, I put myself through a year of college that way in my break of service, when I, in between um, my break of service of getting out and then trying to get back in. Um, grew up in that kind of world, autocrossed, um, and then war obviously affected my ability to do a lot of things. So I'm making up for lost time. I mean, I lost uh, 15 years of my life, not lost, but segmented 15 years of my life committed to one cause. And yeah, for sure, I'm committed to Philcraft survival and all the things that we're doing. What I find fascinating is that getting ready for the motorsport space is everything that we teach at Philcraft survival. All the preparedness tactics, the preparation, or even the integration of safety equipment, uh, the navigation on the road, that's all preparedness related. So it's fascinating. Um, I had some really positive feedback when I put my name in the hat. And, and many, many people put their names in the hats for things. They say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do this thing. But I'm serious about it. Um, look, I've always wanted that thing. Like, hey, what, what can I do in my ripe old age where I'm still competitive? And I thought becoming a, a professional shooter because I could shoot well, but could I shoot pro? I don't know. That takes a lot of commitment. I got a lot of friends in the space. Maybe I could do that. But you know what? I, I'm just not, I don't know. I'm not entertained with guns. Like, it's not my thing. I mean, I've lived by the gun. So guns don't impress me. So doing something that I enjoy um, is important for me. And then finding that challenge is important for me. Um, number two, I'm networked pretty good in, in, in a, lot, a lot of multiple spaces, but not in rally. So that's actually another reason why I want to do it because I see all the same sponsors, the same people, and nobody's bridging that gap. Oh, like, by the way, racing and rally is not just me showing up and jumping in a car and racing. And that's the easy part. Running a business at the same time of building a race team 
is challenging, and I like that challenge. I got my college degree nickel and diming it for 15 years in between trips, in between missions, um, to get my bachelor's degree. So when I hold that certificate, I don't hold it. I mean, I don't even look at it. Um, but when I, when I have that, those academics and that education behind me, it means a lot. So the challenge in itself and implementing these new, not, not new, implementing companies that have been disaffected into this world is something that I want to do. Like, why doesn't SIG sponsor Rallycar? Well, they haven't had a Mike Glover. Why doesn't Cry Precision sponsor Rallycar? Well, there wasn't a car with Mike Glover in it. Um, I want a multi-cam wrapped vehicle uh, sponsored by Black Rifle, Phil Craft, um, SIG, Cry Precision, like all the companies that you would never see in that space. Why? Because I hate this idea that we're so sensitive as a culture that we, that we have to pretend or we have to suppress all of these companies because it doesn't fit the narrative. Oh, yeah, yeah, our, our corporate entity won't allow us to do that. Well, I don't care because in rally, you could race whatever car you want and they can't tell you what sponsor they could put on it. Now, now if I wanted the sponsorship from that car company, That'd be a different story. Like Travis Pastrana um, is sponsored by Subaru. Ken Block between Ford, Subi, I think now Audi, um, even Porsche, Porsche. Uh, Tuthill Porsche is giving him a Porsche for the uh, um, Safari East or the African Safari East um, rally. So, look, I don't, I don't, I don't care uh, about the vehicle thing if the vehicle company doesn't want to affiliate with a guy like me. So how do, we, how do we get better embedded to be able to communicate how we feel or who we are without being weird about it? I see all these athletes, including race car drivers. Um, I see all these actors. I see all these people in the limelight pretending. And it aggravates the hell out of me. You know, it aggravates me. Like, like Evan Hafer of Black Rifle Coffee. He says how he feels. And, and you know why that bums people out? Because how people feel isn't exactly how he feels. And what's wrong with that? That's, that's what you want. I mean, you don't have somebody who appeases and follows and, and is exactly who you are. It's okay to have different varying opinions. And I know that's pretty deep in, in one of the reasons that I want to erase but I'm trying to un unbox that for you because that's one of the reasons. You know, I, I want to be able to drive a car and represent a company who stands for my values and ideals. So if, if a Ken Block, a Travis Pastrana, a, a, a whoever can race their cars and represent their sponsors, why can't I? So I'm doing it. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. I mean, I've already put the word out and it's crickets. But dude, I'll do this. I'll do it myself. It could just be a Philcraft truck or a Philcraft car. Um, Tom from Eagles and Angels was one of the first people to reach out to me, and that means a lot. He's like, man, I'll, I'll do anything. Like, I'll, I'll give you hats, LOL. But I know Tom will support me, and that's who I want to affiliate with, man. I want the companies 
who are partnered, who believe in what we're doing. You know, bringing people together over, over preparedness. This doesn't have to be a toxic thing. And selfishly, I want to race a rally car. Um, but more importantly, the deeper mission is, is getting those names, those companies, and that, those people's voices, my voice, out there into the limelight. Uh, hope, hopefully Jocko hits me up and, and we could do something together, man. Um, man, um, I'm tired. Uh, we got the mobility experience coming up and, oh, I was talking, man, I, I'm sorry. That's, see, that's what, that, what I get for taking a nap. I was talking about this Porsche rally thing. So I died, man, that was a long digression. I was like, that was like seven minutes of digression, digression. So the Porsche rally car, it's not a rally car. Let, let me make that clear. Guys make these safari Porsches and they're not really race cars. They just look cool. Um, they're, they're, they're utility based. I mean, they're, they're, they're functional, um, multi-purpose and, and look cool as hell, but they're not race cars. So I'm building a race car now for amateur stuff, likely American rally association stuff, ARA stuff. If I get a huge sponsor, I'm likely going to build a rally car that's going to be competitive. I hit up the, um, the guys who built Travis Pastrana and Ken Block's car and just asked them how this works because, um, and they haven't answered me back, which they probably won't. Um, but I wanted to know, like, how does this work? Like, how much does this cost to have a custom race car built? They might not have capacity, which is why they haven't reached out or they think I'm a loser. Um, but when, when you build a rally race car, it's complicated. There's a lot of technical things that go into it. So I had a Porsche, 1980 Porsche Rally SC. And the uh, SC is Super Carrera, and, it, and it's a Targa. It's like a T-top, like you could pull the top off without the T. So an, an I-top, whatever that is. So um, that was sitting, and I wasn't doing much with it. I wasn't even driving it because it looks lame to me. Um, and it's hard to get into. All, there's all a whole bunch of stuff. So we had these race car parts and we're going to build a race car and realize we're not doing a safari build. We want to do an ARA build. So it's different suspension, different components compared to what a safari build would be. So I'm like, Addison, put, put all those parts on the rally, on the, uh, on the Targa, make it a little rally. Um, and I say rally, make it a safari. So now it's got the lift, it's got the tires, it's got braid, uh, racing wheels. I, I want to put, new, um, showman seats in it. Um, it's got, uh, uh, elephant racing rally suspension. So it looks cool as hell, but it's, it's more functional. I mean, I could jump in that thing and hop around town. I could go in the back country here in Utah, which is beautiful. And I could practice. I could have my navigator with me. Uh, we could, we could go through the motions, kind of, kind of doing a, a little joy ride, but work through the practice elements of rally. And I, and I like that idea, which is why. I did it. Um, and it's cool as hell. So, um, yeah, let's move on. All right, let's talk about Veterans Day. So I did a post and I was like, let's not make this weird because veterans get weird on Veterans Day. I mean, I get weird on Veterans Day. When you, go, when you grow up in a, a kind of a community, a culture that especially frowns upon self-loathing, um, whether you're special operations or just a normal grunt, 
a regular grunt. Um, having a day committed to thanking our veterans on one day and giving them discount codes, uh, free Golden Corral. Is Golden Corral even a thing? Free like buffets. I, I don't know how to feel about that. I mean, a, a little of me feels dirty. I, one, I want every day for people to appreciate what veterans have done. And it's like Black History Month. Like, we should be talking about black history every, um, all year, not just for one month. So when you specifically point to a day that you're going to give the discount, the incentive, the thanks, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel genuine when everybody hits the internet and says, thank you for your service. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. Um, what I want people to understand, what I want veterans to understand is that it's important each and every day. Not just remembering, not just reflecting, but we should be actively and consciously remembering in the now. Um, not just setting aside moments or, or days. I hope that makes sense. I'm trying to make sense of a lot of um, clutter, uh, trying to make sense of it myself. Um, what I will say is I noticed a lot of friends, companies, um, influencers that do a lot of good stuff, including Jack Carr, Jocko Willink, um, Black Rifle Coffee Company, and, and myself, seem to be getting suppressed. So what I did was I put it out and I said, hey, is there's something going on? I reached out to some of the guys and some of the guys that already proactively put it on their accounts that something was going on. Um, if Jocko put a post where he said, essentially, Instagram, what's up with this? And he went to search his name and his name didn't come up. I did it myself in another account and couldn't find his name. Um, all of his fake accounts, like mine, come up, but not his. So I have a point of contact at Facebook, at Instagram, um, that dug a little deeper on the issue and likely discovered, and I say likely because it's not definitive, he said he couldn't get to the root of it, but this is what it looks like, that there was a campaign. And, and this is how these trolls work. They start all these little groups, uh, whether they have a cell phone and 20 accounts or however they do it, and they attack accounts like mine, um, accounts that doesn't fit their narrative, that makes them angry, and they go off and they, and they uh, report it. And then they know how many reports the algorithm needs to enact the change, whether it's suppression or shutting, even shutting down the account. And it works. Because, I mean, Grand Thumb lost his account. Um, a couple other guys who I won't name lost their accounts. My account was suppressed. The Black Rifle Coffee veterans video that I was in had 60,000 views at the end of the day. 60,000. Black Rifle Coffee has 1.7 million followers. I got, I got 70 people. I counted all of them. It was like 74, 73 people that shared that video, including people in excess of hundreds of thousands of followers 
that redirected them because they put it in their story and they got 60,000 views. As a point of reference, I went to old Sean, Sean King's um, account and identified his account in his Veterans Day post. Of course, he was talking about um, social issues. We'll just leave it at that. So we'll call it social issues. And on his video, which is a video that really doesn't show anything, he had 900,000 plus views on that, on that video. Um, if you didn't know Sean King, he's the leader, supposedly. I, don't think, I think he's been disavowed by um, every single organization. Um, and evidence has come out, which nobody wants to talk about, but I'll talk about it because it, it's like, this is weird. This is like bizarro world, but nobody talks about this. It's Sean King, Jeffrey Sean King. Um, and on Jeffrey Sean King's birth certificate, it has him marked as white. Um, Jeffrey Sean King, um, Jeff, Jeff, not Sean King. Sean King sounds more African-American, I guess, which is why, the way, the, why he did it. Um, his brother is white. His dad's white. His mom's white. There's pictures of him as a kid, and he's a white kid. His birth certificate says he's white. He won't take a test to show, he won't do DNA and show that he's not white. He said his biological father, um, according to his mom, was a light-skinned black dude. That, that's what his mom said. Um, there's pictures of him as a child, and he's white. But he advocates for black um, issues, which I'm all about. That, that's fine. I'm not, I, don't, I, I wouldn't advocate for anything related to BLM because um, they lie. They're violent. Um, they're dividing the country, and there's like 10 other reasons you shouldn't uh, fall into that. But the problem is he advocates for American black issues as a black man. Okay? And not only that, but he's racist. So, so if I take a racist versus a veteran company that's putting a veteran video that has nothing to do with race, only um, saying thank you to the veterans who have served this country, you would think, oh man, well, that's just normal, right? You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't suppress that veteran organization or those vets. But then why would you uplift and then advocate for a white guy pretending to be black who's openly racist, who calls for violence? Now, 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 some of you guys might be thinking, oh, Michael, you know, I don't know. Well, let me read you his post. This is his post from a day ago. He writes, I want to say something hard for some of you to hear as we meet at Naya Sigan. And there's a whole thing with her and what happened. And it says, and learn about the bigotry she had to endure. White people aren't superior. White supremacy is a lie. And so much bigotry and racism and vile ugliness that comes from white people is not because they think they are superior. It's because they know they aren't. My undergraduate and graduate degrees are in history. And what I've learned in studying the long arc of the earth is that so much evil that comes from white people in the world is derivative of jealousy. That hate isn't because deep down in their heart they think they are better. 
that doesn't even make sense. The hatred is actually deeper rooted, rooted in insecurity. I don't care who you are. You would look at this post and go, this is a racist post. If I said that about a black person, or even as an Asian American, let's just say I said it about a white person, how would that be taken? Well, it'd be taken down. My account would be suppressed or deleted forever. I would be banned off the platform. But no, he's not banned off the platform because that, that one got 49 or 75,000 likes and 2,000 comments with all of the, the comments that probably said, dude, what the, this is racist. And that, that all got taken down. That was a day ago, by the way. A day ago, that was Veterans Day. That was Veterans Day. In another video that he posted, he puts, um, the administration was so afraid of the protests that was about to happen in the school that they shut down the school early and sent students home. And it was a video of them getting up and going. And then it got 908,000 views with 1,500 comments. Okay. What is happening in our world? I mean, this, this, is a, this is a white dude pretending to be black who's racist on social media, Sean King, and that's okay. L- luckily for us, the mainstream media has picked up on his lies, identified who he is, and haven't been supporting him. That, that's his words on his post. But it makes me sick to my stomach seeing the such a biased and disgusting narrative that's being perpetuated, amplified through the algorithm, through the platform, while other people's voices that don't agree, that aren't tolerant to the narrative, or just doing their own thing that are suppressed. I mean, Jocko Willink is one of the most non-political people on the planet. Uh, maybe he said something in a, in a line that pissed a group off and they added him to the list. Jack Carr, like, again, non-political person. And he's made the list because he's getting suppressed. None of, none of these guys, including myself, by the way, can be searched. You could find 10 of my fake accounts, but you can't find um, my real account. And that's just a start point of suppression. Um, and. and it aggravates me because when you look at a platform that's not regulated by the government because of our constitution, uh, including protecting them uh, in the market, I, I wonder, I, I, I say to myself, well, how does that affect us? Because you're saying there's a clause, there's, there's a significant reason why we would not go after them because they're a private company. But they're controlling behavior through a narrative that's enacting violence. That's uplifting racism. Yet, I can't talk about guns. Um, I can't talk about preparedness. Uh, I can't talk about Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah, it's, it's sickening, guys. It's sickening. And you should be aware of it. What can you do? Go on Sean King's page and just read. Inform yourself. And report it. Report it for what it is. Racism. I mean, this kid, I call him a kid because he's a joke. He's a child. Like, not even a child child. He's like an immature child. Like, he says all these things that he doesn't mean. He can't stand or back it up. And stop pretend. Like, he's got a fade. Like, man, I, I grew up with black and Korean cousins. 
that had fades because their hair was nappy. And so if they wanted to get close, like my cousin Marcus, he wanted to get close to his scalp, he got a fade. You got a fade because you're pretending to be black. Like, stop it. Just stop, dude. It's just, it's disgusting. Let's, let's segue this and talk about Kyle Rittenhouse. I personally raised $10,000 for Kyle Rittenhouse's um, legal fees. Um, and it's like, oh, Mike, what'd you do there, man? Controversial. Well, it's not real controversial. Not to me. Before I donated, I talked to the lawyers. I saw the evidence. And it was very clear. Kyle Rittenhouse, by every single video and segment of evidence that I received, was defending his life on three separate occasions where he used force. Two of the occasions, he used deadly force. The third, luckily for him, um, didn't get it in the chest or the head. He, he caught it in the hand or the wrist. And am I an advocate of violence? No, I'm not. Uh, in every form, in every event, uh, this, this uh, Capitol Hill riot that took place, um, I informed our community of American contingency to stay at home. Why would you go there? I don't want anybody to go there. And if you do go there, because I know some guys would go, my guidance to you is stay on the outskirts and report what's happening. Don't be involved in any of that because I don't want to see anybody that associates with us who's listening to me to be incited or activated because of violence. Because violence is not the solution. So uh, defense is the solution. Uh, Self-protection is the solution. Uh, Law-abiding citizens is the solution. So you got this Kyle Rittenhouse situation where the armed Illinois teenager killed two people and wounded another, another, and I'm reading from CNN, um, and he's on trial for homicide charges. He's now 18. He was 17 when this uh, took place. Um, Of note, uh, recently in the trial, he cried on the stand. There was a lot of leftist organizations and people that were making fun of him. But, dude, can you imagine? Can you imagine being this child? Oh, yeah, I know it's dumb. A child shouldn't be there with an AR-15. This kid was an explorer, which is like the program that uh, uh, gets you ready for law enforcement or as a first responder. He was a volunteer EMT. Like he did a whole bunch of things there at uh, in Kenosha trying to assist people. He was put, like the, the prosecution was saying that it wasn't, there was no evidence that he was putting out fires. Yes, there was. There was testimony of witnesses saying that he was putting out fires. Why did he have gloves on? He had nitrile gloves on because he was treating innocent people who were wounded. But we're not talking about a peaceful protest of innocent law-abiding citizens. We are talking about a mob of violent criminals. Criminals. Two of the guys that were killed had backgrounds uh, in, in uh, sexual assault crimes. So now all of a sudden, everybody's hush-hush. Even CNN has reduced their crazy fanatical headlines. Why? Because it's come out that um, through the judge ripping into the asses of the prosecution, that it's pretty 
clear-cut case of self-defense. And there's no other way to say it except it's very apparent of him, whether it was falling to his back um, and, and, and being confronted with a pistol or being chased by a guy who said he was going to threaten to kill Rittenhouse um, while he's running away, retreating and falling to his back and firing. I don't know how much more proof you need of self-defense and it shouldn't, been, it shouldn't have been brought to trial in the first place. No charges should have been filed in the first place. Are there other charges? I'm sure there are. I'm sure there's weapons charges crossing the state line, a whole bunch of stupid, um, uh, uh, irrelevant to this case that are embedded in it that he could be, tri- he could be charged with. But murder? Um, don't think so. So the defense rested its case on Thursday. Well, this is of recent. Uh, he faces uh, charges for killing Anthony Huber and Joseph Rosenbaum and wounding um, a- another. He used an AR-15 during the protest to, um, following the police shooting of Jacob Blake. And it was tamer, according to CNN, on Thursday than it was um, prior. Twice on Wednesday... Judge Bruce Schroeder asked the jury to leave the room before sharply admonishing prosecutor Thomas Binger for his line of questioning. The first incident related to questions about Rittenhouse post-arrest silence, and the second was about an incident two weeks before the shootings that the judge said would not be permitted into evidence. So crazy to see that ass-chewing on on TV, Um, but it speaks to the incompetency of the prosecutor. The defense calls witnesses first on the stand was uh, for the eighth day of testimony was the use of force expert John Black who testified that less than three seconds passed between the time a protester fired a shot at Rittenhouse when he opened fire with his rifle. Brittany Bray, Kenosha police officer, testified about collecting shell casings the night of the deadly shooting, meaning other people were shooting. A a videographer uh, takes the stand, Drew Hernandez, who shot video of the protest, testified that Rittenhouse tried to de-escalate tensions. Look, this kid who's filming has no loyalty to Rittenhouse. He tried to de-escalate tensions at times uh, at the night of the shooting. He told the jury the first person to be shot was acting physically aggressive even before his encounter with Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse testified most of the day Wednesday and said that he acted in self-defense when he used his AR to fatally shoot a man who threatened him threw a plastic bag at him and chased him, and he didn't do anything wrong. He defended himself. Um, I was surprised at the composure and the intelligence or maturity of Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, I expected him to be like all over the place, but he was super thoughtful. He didn't get emotional like the, like the prosecutor did, who, who seemed, I mean, he was like, when, and then I'm parastoring here. He was like, so there's a guy chasing with a gun. Why didn't you shoot him when he was 15, 10 feet away? And he goes, because I didn't. Well, he, as he got close, he wasn't really pointing the gun at you. And he's like, yes, he was. He was reaching with one hand and pointing at me with the other. He goes, well, you know that he could have shot you from further away. And it's like he wanted him to be shot before he defended his life. If a person has a gun in their hand 
I don't care if they're 100 yards away or if they're a couple inches away. If they're pointing a gun at me, I am defending my life and I'm not waiting for the gun to go boom before I make the decision to go boom. On Wednesday's heated exchanges, um, they revisited them. Schroeder and Binger came up Thursday with the prosecutor saying, yesterday, as I said, I was under the court's ire. And Schroeder cutting him off saying, you know, I don't want to talk about it. I think it's a fundamental fairness issue, your honor. If I'm being held to obey the court's order, I'm asking that the defense be held to that too. Binger persisted. The prosecutor persisted. I was talking yesterday about the Constitution of the United States and how the Supreme Court has interpreted it for 50 years. That's not what we were talking about here today, the judge replied. Closing arguments, the defense rested their case early Thursday afternoon during eight days of testimony in the trial. Jurors heard from 31 different witnesses. Schroeder told jurors that closing arguments and jury instructions in the trial are expected Monday. Each side will have two and a half hours for their closing arguments. Um, I saw today they had a video they were contesting where the prosecution um, was talking about how they wanted to show the video evidence and, and helping their case that Kyle Rittenhouse at some point had lifted his gun prior to one of the suspects. Um, one of the suspects, he's not a suspect, uh, he's dead now, but um, one of the victims in this case, which I, I think they took out even the word victims because he's not a victim. Uh, he should be a suspect. He chased Kyle, but they, they make the claim that Kyle pointed his gun at him before the chase began. And then as he was being chased, he turned and he fell to the ground as the guy was grabbing for him and he shot in self-defense. And so their claim is the gun pointed at him uh, uh, was provoking him to giving chase in defense. What the defense said was, and I don't, I'm not a legal expert here, but the defense stated that that wouldn't matter. What matters is the moment in which they decide to use deadly force based on the circumstance of them defending their life and the use of force. Um, if a guy's chasing you um, and that guy's chasing you to, and, and you think he's going to do bodily harm or kill you, then you're def- and you're defending your life, what happens prior is irrelevant according to this this little deal, this little engagement. So um, what I was surprised by, and a lot of legal experts were surprised by, was the fact that Rittenhouse was on the stand on Wednesday and testified. Um, it, it, it's not normal, I guess. And in this case, putting him on the stand and having the prosecution fumble through their questioning um, and making them so- themselves sound really stupid, like, like I'll just call it how it is, really stupid. Um, so a guy points a gun at you, you're going to defend your life? Or, like, why'd you, point, or why'd you do it then? And, and why didn't you do it before? Because the guy had a gun before, why didn't you do it before? It's like, is it, does that matter? It's irrelevant. Um, he's pleaded not guilty on all charges. Um, if he's convicted of the most serious charge, he faces a mandatory sentence of life in prison. When he took the stand on Wednesday, uh, he pleaded not guilty. Um, they tried to hammer him. And they tried to state that he was a crazy, radical person. Uh, what rational person brings the AR-15 to a, uh, a protest? Well, what rational person who's peacefully protesting turns violent and starts assaulting people? 
who brings a handgun? Um, one of the most impactful moments was when they had the moment where they talked about the use of force and they have a use of force expert who communicated about uh, what self-defense was and everything that this doctor said, um, Dr. John Black uh, was right on point and use of force is part of law. It, there, it, there is no subjective opinions based in what that is. Um, one of the things I want to read to you because I'm going to find it here is what happened with the, uh, the third, I'll call him suspect, um, that chased Rittenhouse where he actually admitted, where he admitted that, that he pointed the gun at, at Rittenhouse. Um, and that, that was supposed to go into the prosecution's favor. That didn't happen. Um, he admitted that he did that. Um, and and uh, Rittenhouse defended his life. I mean, you can't run up on somebody with a gun and not expect contact. What's your objective? And I, I think his objective, and I'm I'm making this up. I, I think his objective was to get the gun. Um, he was he told the court Rittenhouse defended his actions in the wake of the protest, telling the court I didn't do anything wrong, defending myself. He didn't. He also didn't intend to kill anyone. But he, he, but agreed he used deadly force that night. He broke down on the stand while describing the night of the shooting. It's got to be traumatic for him, man. He's a kid. I mean, men are kids until like they're tw- in their mid-20s. I'm still a kid. Um, Rittenhouse testified that Joseph Rosenbaum, who he had shot and killed, had threatened to kill him and said he came out from behind a car and ambushed me before the shooting. He said later in his testimony, they believe Rosenbaum tried to take my gun. If he would have taken my gun, he would have used it against me and killed him. He threatened to kill him. Rittenhouse said that Rosenbaum had not physically touched him. Well, he didn't give a chance to. And then uh, defense attorney Corey uh, Chirafisi said in court that afternoon that defense is making motion for mistrial with prejudice, claiming the prosecutor, Thomas Binger, committed what amounts to be prosecutorial overreach. The judge said he would take the motion under advisement. Um, judge, judge admonish, admonishes the prosecutor twice during the cross-examination. Schroeder asked the jury to leave, and he ripped into his, his ass. Guys, l- here's the problem with this whole Rittenhouse thing. Um, one, not a lot of people are, are talking about it because they don't want to, I get it, they want to be put into a box, and, and if Rittenhouse doesn't get off, they look like, like assholes. I've been saying it since day one. Um, I don't support violence, but I support Kyle Rittenhouse because I don't want to see innocent people who are using self-defense. I teach self-defense for a living with Phil Craft Survival. It's not just in my best interest as a business person. It's my best interest as an American who believes in constitutional rights and the right of personal protection, right? The right of self-defense. I mean, I teach young, young and old women who weigh 100 to 120 pounds to defend their lives against men who want to do them harm. It's women as well. But it's the, the weapon that, that's so uh, villainized is the tipping point, is the, the discrimination that turns the table in women's favor against a formidable foe. It, it's the rock that hits, you know, it's the, the rock that hits the giant in the head. You can't defend your life if you have nothing 
if you're 120 pounds. Because if I'm 240 pounds, I'll crush you. I don't care what black belt you have or what Krav Maga you take, you will get your ass stomped. So I teach self-defense on, a, on large scales to men and women, uh, even children, and understanding how to protect themselves and mitigating risk, situational awareness, all these things prior to the decision point of self-defense going down. But can you imagine if based off the evidence, the jury comes back and gives a guilty of even one of the murders of those men? I've seen all of the videos for all of the context, except for the, the drone footage. I didn't see that. I, I think that was brought in last minute before I made the decision to raise money for Kyle Rittenhouse's um, his, his trial because I knew it was going to be expensive. The 17-year-old who, who was pretty, um, um, I mean, they're, they're not wealthy people, was going to have difficulty defending himself. And I didn't want to see a young man with good intent. He didn't go there to get in a gunfight. He went there because the cops weren't doing their job. The police officers of Kenosha were told to stand behind a line and watch it burn. And those people and those buildings burning were innocent law-abiding citizens, businesses, livelihoods. Their well-being was compromised. Their security compromised. Why? Because of politics. That's why. Because of fake media narratives. We should be ashamed of ourselves as a society. So what are we going to do about it? The answer is not nothing. Um, I don't want to sit by the sidelines. I want to talk about this. I want to get it out there in the open. And I want to, I want to stand for the right. Because if this, if this kid gets convicted on any charge, it sets a new precedent countrywide. They try to do this with law enforcement. Defund the police. Now all of a sudden everybody wants funding of the police? Oh, that's, that's because law and order uh, yeah, yeah, you need that for civil societies to thrive and work. It's called security, right? But before you can get up and you do anything inside of that zone, um, that is San Francisco, you need to have that security to thrive. 17 Walgreens shut their doors in San Francisco. I didn't even know it was possible for 17 Walgreens to be in one city. But yeah, 17 Walgreens. Why? Because the governance... Um, the ludicrous mayor, backed by the uh, insane governor, decide that they're going to write off any crime that's less than 900 and some change. So if you go into a store and you steal stuff, as long as it's under this threshold, you, you won't be prosecuted. We'll just give you a ticket. Oh, and if you don't show up, it's no big deal. We got other stuff going on. Like, like going to the scenes of murders and shootings, violent crimes. Not doing our job in policing, um, but picking up the piece. What are we doing? So these policies are affecting grossly our entire nation, and it's spreading like cancer, like COVID. And we need to stand up for the right, guys. Sorry about my rant there, but how can you stand up for the right? Get involved in local legislation, like I said last podcast, and I'll keep saying it every single podcast. Know who your local sheriff is. Know who your city council your county council, your board, your superintendents, your principals. Know who they are. Know what ideology they spew, they spread. Because if it doesn't fall in line with your values or your community's values, you need to do something about it. AmericanContendency.com is a good start point. Guys, I got to get out of here because I got to get to the mobility experience and go see my people. Uh, tonight, we're going to do some night live fire with NVGs. 
and subguns, um, suppressed subguns, because why not? It's fun. And then tomorrow we're going to do some overlanding, uh, and we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, what do I got in the near future? Oh, my last carbine course, pistol carbine course is here in um, Spanish Fork. If you're interested, uh, I think it's 20. Let me look at the calendar real quick. I don't want to steer you wrong. It is uh, 2021, November. Pistol and carbine. I think there's a couple slots left. If you want to sign up, go ahead and sign up. Guys, appreciate you. Sorry all this stuff is happening. We'll just stick together. We'll get through it. Um, there's tactics here. We just need to uh, take one step at a time. Till next time, guys. Peace.